Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Convicted Success, a podcast dedicated to women who are and have been incarcerated. On tonight's episode, recognizing the work of others, we will not be having an interview. Instead, we'll be discussing two separate topics. First, an update on COVID in the prisons. And second, giving recognition to the wonderful people out in the world who have been locked up and are now making a difference in their communities. Ready? Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Convicted Success. As always, I'm your host, Sheena Cluche, founder of Leaf Community and owner of The Convicts Coach. First of all, Merry Christmas, everyone. We're two days away. I know it's been a few weeks since we had a new episode air here on Convicted Success, so we got a lot of catching up to do. Um, I do apologize. I lost my voice uh, for a couple of weeks. In fact, it's it's a little scratchy now, um, so excuse that. But we've been doing a lot of work here as well, helping organize the balloons over NDOC event that's happening tomorrow across the state. Now, if you guys haven't heard about it, let me tell you, this all started with, you know, a simple conversation between our director program, Sylvia. I'm sure you guys remember her. She's been on past episodes here uh, and a group called Nevada Strong Prison Wives and Families. So she was talking about when she was locked up, you know, her son came out to the prison to release balloons for her to show her some love. And this year she wanted to do the same for him. And man, this freaking blew up. You know, other women, they started commenting, messaging, calling, reaching out to her. And within a day, I mean, literally within a day, it turned into this massive event. I mean, massive. Coordinators have worked with NDOC to get approvals on this. Groups have formed all over the state. And we're talking uh, groups have formed for, let's see, NNCC, SCC, WSCC, High Desert, Lovelock, Three Lakes, FMWCC. There will be groups at all these facilities releasing balloons into the sky all at the same time to show some love for the inmates. Some of these facilities are really close together too. So we're talking like thousands of balloons filling the sky all at once. It's going to be absolutely beautiful. Um, local media outlets will be present. Like, like I said, it's just turned into something huge. So if you guys are looking to participate or you want to join any of the groups, maybe you want to come out, watch the balloon release, contact Sylvia Reyes. Her phone number is 775 She'll give you the meetup locations for whichever group you'd like to join. Now, for the women who've been instrumental in coordinating all this, who jumped in, really made this such an amazing event, let me tell you guys, they are all woman warriors. We have been working our asses off for the last two weeks to get this together. So I'm talking about Cindy Alford, um, Alford, Sylvia Reyes, my girl, Jenna Marie Hickson, Nelda Wygant, Sharice Nicole, Heidi Lewis, and Valeria Gomez. From the minute this all popped off, they've all gone above and beyond to really make this special for the inmates. And if you do decide to go hang out with any of these groups, make sure to find these women and say thank you. 
Because again, without their passion and all the hard work that they've put in, this wouldn't even be happening. So a big shout out to you ladies, to all of you for doing the damn thing, making this a reality. Much love to you all for real. Now, before we jump into tonight's topic, I want to update you really quickly on Leaf Community's last initiative of the year. I did talk about this in the last episode. What we did is we sent Christmas cards to inmates across the country. By networking with some of the different advocacy and reform and support groups that we're a part of, we were able to get the information for over 200 inmates this year who need an extra little bit of love, some extra support, words of encouragement. Um, And of course, since we're based in Nevada, a majority of those were inmates here in our home state. But we were able to reach inmates in Arizona, Washington, and Indiana as well, both men and women. So big success, but you know what? We can do way better. Um, Leaf has already started adding names to the list for next year's mailer event, and my teams are throwing out some really crazy goal numbers, you guys. So I've had some people say like 2,000, 5,000. Somebody was like, let's do 1,000 per state. I don't know. I don't know what the actual final goal will be, but we like a challenge, so I'm sure it's going to be big. At the end of the episode, I'll update you guys on what Leaf has going on for January. But for now, let's go ahead and get into the reason why we're here. So normally I have a guest join me to tell their story, share their words of advice, but we're not going to be doing an interview tonight because honestly, there's so much to talk about. And with all the information that's coming out, I really want to make sure to get it all out there for you guys. So let's get into it. Um, We are going to be talking about COVID. I'll just throw that out there. And disclosure, you guys, I'm sick of talking about fucking COVID. I know that you guys probably are too, but I mean, honestly, we've got to talk about it. It's not going to go away or at least not anytime soon. And like I said, there's a ton of new information that's come to light on this. On the last two episodes, I have talked about COVID, um, you know, a little bit about the statistics that are coming out. I've talked about the information being shared by inmates um, through their loved ones. But tonight I'm going to talk about both of those a little bit more. So here's the thing. Shit has gotten fucking crazy and it's all coming out. I mean, it's been coming out, but it's fucking bananas. And some of it, you guys, is just deplorable. Now, this first story, it just came out a few days ago. Uh, It did air on the news. If you want to take a look at it, it's uh, on Fox61.com. I originally saw this on a YouTube channel called Unique Queen TV. She is also talking a lot about uh, reform and what's going on in the prisons right now with COVID. So this happened in Connecticut. um, And basically... This lady who was worried about her husband hadn't been able to reach him. She contacted the news station to talk about COVID and the conditions and the facilities there. Now, her husband is serving a 40-year sentence, and he has been locked up at least 24 years of that. He said straight up, told her that the sanitation conditions right now are worse than they've ever been, ever. Um, In fact, he says that he must have been like moved into a new cell, but he wasn't given any cleaning supplies and had to use his own clothes um, to clean the cell. He did wind up getting sick. He was, you know, luckily transferred to a hospital for treatment. But when word started to finally get out to news outlets, things like that, the inmates were getting sick. He told his wife that it had already been weeks since it had started spreading inside the facility. So 
there there was definitely a lapse there. Now, it's known now that there have been 10 inmate deaths in Connecticut due to COVID, and that's just completely unacceptable. I don't know if you guys, you know, realize how small Connecticut is. Now, the first death happened back in April. It was a man by the name of Carlos De Leon. His case is the perfect example of the reason why people are fighting so hard for early release initiatives. This dude was serving a two-year sentence. Two years. And he'd already served a year of that. So he was halfway through his sentence. And I did see reports that he was approved for discretionary release, but they couldn't find anywhere to house him or anywhere for him to go um, or a housing sponsor. So uh, that's a problem I've seen in a lot of other reports as well, where officials are saying, well, you know, we want to let them out, but there's nowhere for them to go. So we have to keep them housed here. Um, On December 18th, a woman named Tara, she posted about her husband as well, who's also locked up, saying that she hadn't been able to get in contact with him since the end of November. By the time they finally talked, it had been a little over two weeks. When she did get a call from him, she found out that they had been locked down. Now, this is in Colorado. So 279 inmates, including himself, they had all tested positive. You know, he tells her they don't have masks. They're not being given cleaning supplies. They were just on straight lockdown. And this seems to be the narrative coming from a lot of the facilities across the country, what a lot of inmates are reporting. Now, looking on the other side of that, because we do hear a lot about the sanitation issues, let's talk about Oklahoma for a minute. A report was published back on December 15 by the Oklahoma Watch, which brought to light the conditions inside facilities there from a woman who was just released a few months ago into a halfway house. And she talks about the conditions inside the prisons, you know, just like everybody else. But what really stands out is what she says about the treatment from the officers there. Now, this obviously doesn't represent every single corrections officer, but it does shine a light on some of the abuse that's going on. Now, she said an officer actually pulled her mask down below her chin, approached a group of women and shouted, I don't care if you get sick, showing a blatant disregard for human life. She also said that a lot of the other officers have been heard telling inmates, well, if they hadn't gotten caught and weren't in prison, they wouldn't have to deal with this, basically saying it's their fault and they deserve this because they're locked up. Now, this woman, she was still locked up um, when the outbreak started back in August, and she was among one of the 113 inmates that tested positive. In the last three months, one in four inmates in Oklahoma have tested positive and 36 have died. The treatment that these inmates are receiving is completely unacceptable. I mean, the sanitation alone by itself is completely wrong, but to Add mistreatment and abuse just escalates the problems. And there are so many lawsuits right now that are bringing massive awareness to these issues. For example, in Oregon, there's a lawsuit that was filed back in April about the legal rights inmates have to protect them. I got to tell you, the response from the attorneys representing the defendants in this case, which included the governor and the Department of Corrections director and a bunch of other unnamed officials, the attorneys for the state argued the defendants were protected by qualified immunity because the COVID-19 pandemic is unprecedented and there's no clear constitutional requirement for the Department of Corrections to limit COVID-19 spread inside of prisons. Basically saying, hey, it's not required of us. We're not responsible to take care of anybody. Now, luckily, the judge presiding over this case called bullshit on this argument and rejected it immediately, stating, quote, the law is clearly established that individuals in government custody have a constitutional right to be protected against a heightened exposure to serious 
easily communicable diseases, and the court finds that this clearly established right extends to protection from COVID-19. In a 7-2 ruling, the court in that case found prison officials cannot be deliberately indifferent to the exposure of inmates to a serious communicable disease. Beckerman, which was the judge who presided over this case, also said that opinion would apply under the Eighth Amendment, which guards against cruel and unusual punishment. Right now, the state is reporting that 1,600 people in custody have contracted COVID-19 this year and 19 have died. Now let's talk about the great state of Nevada because back on December 16th, Channel 8 reported a story that revealed that 2,000 899 inmates had already tested positive here with two facilities with over 500 cases each. Not to mention there's already been eight deaths. Being in the reform and support groups geared towards Nevada residents, I can tell you for us, this isn't new information. We've literally been talking about this shit for months. Every single day, there's new posts, new stories, new information posted, uh, people who haven't been able to contact or get information on their family for weeks, sometimes months. They're posting, they're telling their stories. Um, an inmate, who I will not name, actually told us that they had tested positive and less than a week later were sent back to work. Staff members are working between facilities. Inmates are being transferred between facilities. I just read a post from someone whose husband is, you know, locked up right now. He said that staff, and this is in regards to one of the inmates that recently died, he said that staff ignored an inmate who tested positive and was having a hard time breathing. He was not removed from the unit. And it took the other inmates six hours to get anybody to respond. He was one of the ones that died. And it's the same thing for every single group I'm seeing. It's just story after story from inmates or their loved ones, sometimes both. So here's the bottom line. We all need to be active. We all need to work together to hold our officials accountable. The minute we stop watching and speaking out, they start slipping. There are a ton of advocacy groups out there. Find the petitions in your area. If there aren't any, start one and check out the Prison Policy Initiative. Their website is prisonpolicy.org and they are tracking which states and local governments are committing to early release, reduced admissions, necessary reforms to prevent the spread of COVID in the prisons and jails. So check it out, see where your state stands, um, and, and just get your voice out there. If you have information, share it. All right, you guys. So that's enough of the COVID talk. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to switch to something a little bit lighter, a little bit more positive. There's been so much negativity this year. So I want to highlight some of the great people out there who have been incarcerated, but are now using their voices to help others and advocate for change. And since this is the last episode of 2020, I'll give you a quick update for what we have planned for January. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Okay, everyone, we're back. Thank you for sticking around, hanging out with me for a little bit longer tonight. So I want to end this here on a high note, a positive note. 
We've talked about a lot of negativity. We've talked about COVID, what's going on in the prisons, you know, what's going on in the world. So I want to leave all that negativity behind for a moment. Let's talk about some positive things here. Now, you guys, you know, I'm all about advocacy, all about reform. And there are a ton of people in the world right now who have been locked up at some point and they are doing some really meaningful work that we really don't get to hear about. Um, and I think we should because the work they do, it's really inspirational. And a lot of them have impacted a lot of other people in their communities. Um, all the people that I'm going to talk about, they've all done this in their own unique ways. It's not just your straightforward, you know, halfway house type deal. So the first person I want to talk about is Miss Jada Raspberry. She lives in Los Angeles and she works with an organization called Dignity and Power Now, I believe. Um, so anyway, she was arrested back in 2006 for armed robbery and she served six years. When she got out in 2012, she began bringing awareness to, you know, what's going on inside of the prisons as far as treatment, medical, things like that. And she's actually given testimonies at the state capitol about the medical negligence, um, suicide and alternatives to prison, um, you know, things like ankle bracelets, things we've talked about in the past, rehab programs, uh, parole early release, uh, things like that. On top of that, she also does outreach work and directly impacted communities in her area. And I mean, what she's doing is she's educating others about how bad prison really is. Like it's no fun. There's a lack of, you know, even the most basic tools and provisions there, especially for women. And I think that's awesome, right? Like she's basically telling people, Hey, this shit's not fun. Get it together. Like that's, that's awesome. Um, now this next guy, his name's Marlon Peterson. Okay. Let me just say this guy spent exactly, and he knows this exactly 10 years, two months and seven days in prison, literally his entire twenties. So he, he pleaded uh, guilty to armed robbery and assault in the first degree. And in prison, he thought a lot about like the impact of gun violence in his community, which kind of that's actually what led him to where he was at. So he started writing letters to kids in his hometown while he was still locked up to kind of talk about that issue, to educate them. Um, he got out of prison five years ago and he really started doing some good shit, you guys. So he started designing and implementing like a bunch of different youth empowerment programs um, and working to create safer communities. He also earned an undergraduate degree from New York University. So I read that he's a published writer somewhere and he's also the co-founder of a group called the Presidential Group. So he's he's doing really great things. The same goes for this next guy. His name is Glenn Martin. After serving six years in prison in New York, a lot of New York people here, um, he founded, it's called Just Leadership USA. So this is a national organization. You can look it up. And basically their goal is to cut the correctional population to half of what it is now by 2030. I mean, that's 10 years. So that's, that's a pretty intense goal. 
What his organization does right now is it provides advocacy and leadership training to people who have been incarcerated. So they're teaching those uh, affected by incarceration and empowering them to drive policy reform. Now, this is a blessing, you guys, because so many people who have been locked up, they have stories. They've seen things. They just feel like they don't have a voice or they feel like they don't. Um have a way to speak out. And so that's a powerful in itself. Um, so giving them this voice, that's important. Okay. So have you guys heard of Topeka Sam? Probably not, but she is doing some great stuff and I'm sure you will hear about her soon. She served over three years um, at in a federal prison for dealing drugs. Now, when she was locked up, she started listening to other women's stories, like asking them why they used drugs, what led them to that, kind of getting into their stories. And I mean, I think in the beginning, she was just kind of wanting to understand the motivation as a drug dealer. Um But when she got out in 2015, she decided to dedicate her life to helping these women. She founded the Ladies of Hope Ministries in New York, again in New York. And like LEAF, they provide housing, counseling, educational um, services to women who have been locked up. She's even spoken uh, at the White House. And in 2019, she delivered a keynote address at a symposium hosted by the New York Magazine. So... She has also done some great things in her time. Um, When we talk about women that have served federal sentences, this next woman, same thing. She served a federal sentence. Her name is Debbie Campbell. Her story is honestly, you know, kind of mimics what we see in a lot of the stories of other women who are locked up. You know, we see drugs, addiction, and then it just kind of leads them to prison. It's kind of a given. Goes hand in hand, I guess. So she was sentenced to 19 years and seven months in federal prison. And of that, she wound up serving a little over 16 years. Now, she was sentenced back in the 90s. And because this was a federal case at the time, I, you know, I don't know what it is now, but good time maxed out at 15% and there was no parole. So she just kind of had to sit there. You know, she filed different appeals. They were all denied. Um, there weren't really many options available. Again, I don't know what the options are now. So, but when she was finally released in 2010, she became an advocate for sentencing reform. And I mean, she totally agrees that yes, she needed to go to prison for what she did, but 20 years was, you know, unnecessary for the crime she had. In fact, in one of the articles I read, she talked about like other women that were, had the same types of sentences and they would sit there and watch, you know, people with violent crimes coming in and out, which with much shorter sentences. So She's also a communications and outreach associate for FAM, F-A-M-M. You can look them up as well, which is an organization all about creating a more fair and effective justice system. There are, like I said, so many people out there doing work like this, and it's really making an impact. So I'll end this list with someone right here in Nevada working to make a difference. 
If you've been locked up out here or if you watch reality TV, you might actually know her or recognize her. Uh, she was on that show, Love and Lock, uh, Love After Lockup. And her name was Brittany Santiago. I think she went by Dodd at the time. Anyway, so after release, um, she put out a book called One Woman's Journey, Surviving the Streets. And she also started an organization called After Orange. Now, she did this to help people dealing with addiction and to help people adjust back into society after lockup. Because she thinks that programming and services need to be offered before incarceration even becomes a thing. And I totally agree. In fact, I just read an article saying that their 501c3 status was just approved too. And I really look forward to seeing the programs and services they offer. I mean, who knows? Maybe we can work towards a partnership. We'll see. You never know. Um, all of the people that I mentioned tonight are doing their parts to impact change. And they've altered their experiences into their strengths. No doubt. And I applaud them. Please keep doing what you're doing. Before we go tonight, let's talk really quickly about what LEAF community has going on for 2021. For those of you who don't know or for new listeners, I founded a nonprofit last year called LEAF Community, which was created to provide services, support, and uh, programming to women who have been previously incarcerated. Uh, before anything else, I do want to announce that our 501c3 application has been submitted. We are hoping that it will be um, accepted within the first quarter of next year. And that is a major step towards our goals for 2021. So you guys already know we provide a variety of different services, you know, support options, programs uh, to women who have been locked up. But next year, we want to take it to the next level. So LEAF was originally structured around the idea of building a community setting. And that's what we're going to do. Here we can provide housing, employment, and therapeutic services all in one area to women when they get out and really start making a dent in that recidivism rate. Now, what does this mean for us in 2021? Well, basically a shit ton of fundraising and we're going to have to work our asses off, let me tell you. So if you want to see a detailed explanation of the plans, visit our website. We do have an explanation on there of how we plan to do this. The website is www.leafcommunity.com. So that's L-E-A-F-E community.com. In January, we will be starting off with a sneaker fundraiser. So Leaf has partnered with Got Sneakers in an effort to address several issues at once while at the same time fundraising. So donations provide shoes to the over 6 million people in the world without shoes. They also keep shoes out of the landfill, helping reduce the amount of CO2 that's released into the atmosphere. And on a lighter note, it helps you clean out your closet. And as an added bonus, Leaf will receive up to $3 for each pair of shoes that is donated. Again, check out our website for more info. It's listed under our initiatives. It's www.leafcommunity.com. Again, that's L-E-A-F-E community. Don't forget the E. So leafcommunity.com. You can fill out a donation form from there or find us on Facebook or Instagram too. Just search for Leaf Community, L-E-A-F-E community.
super easy. We have a bunch of fun stuff coming up next year that we'll have up later this month for you guys to take a look at. So come check it out. Keep an eye on the website. Uh, we're going to do some big things. That's it for tonight, everyone. And for 2020, thanks for joining me tonight, hanging out with me for this year. Make sure to come back after the new year. Convicted Success will be back on January 6th with a new interview and a new topic. And we're switching up the time for our East Coast listeners. So we'll still be airing every Wednesday, but you'll be able to catch new episodes of Convicted Success at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. All right, I'm out, you guys. Have a Merry Christmas, everyone. And remember, stay safe and stay free. Thank you for listening to this episode of Convicted Success. I hope everybody has a Merry Christmas and a safe New Year. Make sure to tune in January 6th at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for our next episode. And make sure to follow us on social media. You can follow Leaf Community, L-E-A-F-E Community, and The Convicts Coach. We are on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you, everyone. Stay safe and stay free. We'll see you next year.